The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Work it, make it, do it, makes us honor, better, faster, stronger. Now, 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 that, that don't kill me, can only make me stronger. I need you to hurry up now, cause I can't wait much longer. I know I got to be right now, cause I can't get much stronger. Man, I've been waiting all night now, that's how long I've been on ya. Hey, that time you listen to Real Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. That's Kanye getting me ready. And I am ready. This is the week. Uh, the week of which is near and dear to my heart. I'm not I'm so excited that I, I prematurely got into it to tell you a little bit about why this week is so special for me. But I I'm gonna wait and talk about why this week is so special to me. I'm gonna do that after the break that we're gonna take at about fifteen after uh, and I'll tell you about this. this is a very special week in my life. It's been that way for a long time. Started becoming special mm, about 1977. That's when it really hit home. But uh, I guess it started to fit my life a little earlier than that. So it made me made it make a decision in 1977 to make this a special part of my life. But anyway, things are happening in the National Football League. Shout out to Larry Johnson. I believe the ink is probably dry on the paper by now. I believe Larry Johnson by now is a Cincinnati Bengal. And uh, that, that's just very interesting scenario, how, how things just, just play out. Uh, because, you know, obviously Larry's no longer in, in Kansas City. And uh, years ago, there were things that were happening in, uh, with a certain team that was Dubbed to be America's team. Somebody dubbed it as America's team. I don't know who, but the Dallas Cowboys. And uh, it was a team that had a lot of personality, a lot of great players, some Hall of Fame players. And uh, nowadays, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say that, th- that this team in Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, that those players would be, um, well, they could eventually become Hall of Fame players. But but it just the scenarios of which have taken place and uh, a group of men have found themselves on a team. And 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 for some reason or another, there seems to be some problems with these men. But but they have a, a leader who recognize that these men are very, very good football players. And perhaps maybe under his tutelage, if they have the discipline that it takes, and he knows they have it because that's why they're in the National Football That's what They are some of the greatest players that ever played the game. But Marvin Lewis may be slowly but very quietly becoming a, 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 a modern-day uh, Dallas Cowboys of the Midwest. I mean, he's got a, he's got a quarterback there. He's got some first-name guys there, you know. You remember back in the day, Dallas had some first-name guys down there, Emmett. Dion, Michael, Troy, we got Carson, 
We got Chad. We could now. We got Larry. You know, um, and they got Chris. Some first name guys with a with a, with a head coach. They had Jimmy. We got Marvin. And and if you compare those, the makeup of those personalities and the talent of those players, now I, I might say that I don't see. Although the young man Hall on the other side of the ball, the corner, he, listen, I'm not putting him in prime times category, but they got a decent corner. They got two decent corners over there. Remind me a little bit about two outstanding football players I remember by the name of Frank Minifield and Hanford Dixon. Uh, they're not quite there. They're a long ways from being what I believe is the greatest tandem that ever existed at the cornerback position. But Cincinnati's got two decent cornerbacks. But... So they don't have prime time in that secondary in Cincinnati. But Michael, if if if, my, if Chad Ucho Cinco was compared to Michael Irvin, I don't think Michael would necessarily be offended. He doesn't have the rings yet. He doesn't have the body of work. But but Michael wouldn't say, "Man, you must be out your mind." Chad Ucho Cinco ain't nothing. No, my, I think Michael would give Chad some respect. In fact, I think they've had a conversation here recently. So that wouldn't be that bad. I don't think that Troy Aikman would be insulted if you said that Parson Calmer, he could, you know, perhaps maybe at one time he might grow. Carson could grow in to becoming a, a, a Troy Aikman down the road. You could see that possibly. Now, Cedric Benson, who is hurt right now, you know, perhaps maybe Emmett wouldn't be offended if you said if over the years if he put the time in that he could possibly. And that's possibly because you know, Emmett's body of work is over a long period of time with a great, probably when you look at his offensive line, and, and I'm hoping that Emmett being in a Hall of Fame, being a Hall of Famer, that some of those offensive linemen deserve to be Hall of Famers as well because Emmett would have never done it without those men in front of him, those huge men, unlike Barry Sanders. You know, Barry didn't have that kind of line. Barry made things happen. He had good offensive linemen. But he didn't have the offensive line that Emmitt Smith had. So, so, you, so I'm, I'm looking at these guys. And then I'm looking at, of course, you know, they got a coach. They had Jimmy down there. You know, and they got Marvin in Cincinnati. Could, could Marvin be the person to right the ship when it's at, in a storm at sea? Because he's done that with these Cincinnati Bengals. And now bringing Larry Johnson into the fold. Cincinnati gets very, I think on record, one of the coldest games that ever exists was played in Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati gets very cold. You're going to have to do some running. You're going to always, always be able to throw the ball. Perhaps maybe Larry Johnson, who's way at the bottom on the list now, perhaps maybe he might find his way, work his way up. He's got to change a lot of things about himself. And, and I think something like what happened to Larry, has, he's got a new outlook on life now, I'm sure. He's got not only a second chance, this may be his third chance. And uh, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to, it's, hey, in Cincinnati, or really Cincinnati, they could really celebrate. It would be a little premature. But to sweep the Ravens and sweep Pittsburgh in the same year, you know, I guess the Browns is a no-brainer. But certainly, uh, this is something special for Cincinnati. So, Marvin, I tip my hat to you. You're doing a very good job. Hard knocks, when we saw that this summer, very few people, we really didn't know what to expect. But I've always said this. I have been a Chad Uchocinco Cinco 
advocate. You know, I, I, I love everything about what that man does on the football field. I just, I, I just like the way he plays the game. I like the energy he brings to it and his route. It, when, when you're guarding Chad, you never know what route Chad is running. He is just that smooth with it and so deceptive and can catch. He can take you deep. He can go across the middle. He can out jump you. He, he can catch you on the sideline in traffic. He, he can do it all. And we never know. So the Cincinnati Bengals, without a doubt, in my mind, the Denver Broncos have fallen off a little bit. Uh, they still have a chance to finish up and make it into the playoffs. Uh, they probably only need to win two or three more games, and they can still make it into the playoffs. But at this point in time, I would say the Cincinnati, the Cincinnati Bengals are probably, they have become the surprise team of the year. Because I think, I think they're hitting on all cylinders now. Although, you know, I, I think the, the class of the league is still the Pittsburgh Steelers. I still think the Steelers right now could probably beat anybody. But then after watching that Monday night game, perhaps maybe I might, I might want to retract that statement. Watching that Monday night game, and, and, and listen, Bill Belichick, Hall of Fame coach, he may have cheated on some things, but, you know, he didn't get caught. And if he did, he's paid the penalty. There may be an, there's going to be an asterisk next to his name because when you write the history, when it's documented, that will be in the history of his body of work, no doubt about it. That will come up. Spygate will come up. But, okay, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time. The man made a call. That's all coaches do is make calls. I think Tom Brady may have answered the question better than anybody else. Coaches call plays. Players execute plays. The fact of the matter, I believe that if the young man would have just gone another, you know, folk would have gone another yard or two, and he had time to, if he'd ran the pattern a little deeper, it would have made no difference. And and so, you know, what the coach did, any any time a coach makes a play, that's all he can do is make the call. The player's got to go out and execute. And sometimes, yeah, the defense will come back into the game and be pissed off. I, as a, as a, play, a former player, I, I'm still, I still don't understand when did defense start dominating football so much that it just changed it. Defense has dominated football so much so that you can't even think about trying to run to get a yard or two. I, I can't wait, you know, till later in the show. Because I'm going to have a kicker on my show. I can't believe I'm doing this. This is Rail Sports on the Voice of America Network. I cannot believe I'm having a kicker to be featured on my show. But I'm going to do it. It's against everything I believe in. But a kicker, a kicker understands the kind of pressure of which was put on Tom Brady and Coach Belichick at that instance of the game. They had to make a decision. And that decision was either going to win the game for them or lose Kickers find themselves in that situation a lot of times. You know, I asked my son the other night, if the game is on the line, do you want them to throw the ball to you? If you're a receiver playing football, if you're a basketball player, and the game is on the line, do you want to take that last shot? You know, there are some people who don't want to be in that position. They want to be able to pass that off to somebody else. Now, we know without a doubt, if they make the play, you know, Belichick's the greatest coach in the world. So, anyway, 
Hey, I want to shout out to some of my brothers of Omega Psi Phi Fraternity Incorporated. Founders Day. Roo, roo. Yeah, y'all know how we do that. Go on, have a good time and celebrate and remember those who made it happen for us. College basketball has kicked off. I don't know how many of you were up last night, stayed up all night watching it, still watching it to today. Shout out to Bruiser Flint Drexel. I saw them a little bit this morning on my way in. So college basketball. Okay, Ray Mar, Mr. Morgan, come on, bring it all the way back. I can't believe I'm going to say this. To Canton, Ohio. I ain't going to mention where you go to school at, but everybody know, who's, know who Ray Mar Morgan is. He, he plays for a basketball team. They wear green and white. They're in the state up north. I'm not going to talk about it, but that's a homeboy. I want him to do his thing. We're going to talk about that state that I won't mention. That state up north and the Ohio State University. I got a special guest with me when I come back. A kicker. Matt is going to come back with me. Matt Franz. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice of America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. We'll be right back after this message. I need you right Let's now. get lost tonight. You could be my black cake moss tonight. Play secretary on the ball tonight. And you don't give a The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's a tough shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Okay, we're back. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. And I'm going to share with you why this week is so special to me. This is, this is Michigan week. The Ohio State University is going to have a game this week, and the world knows about it. Not just some people. Notice I didn't even say who they're playing against. Yeah, I did say Michigan, but I'm not going to say that too many times. So anytime you hear me reference that school up north, that's a tribute to Coach Hayes. Coach Woody Hayes, because that's what he called that other school, that school up north. But I am in Phoenix living like it matters. And why am I here? Because that school up north sent me here 
when I was in college my senior year, they beat us in the final game. So instead of me going to the Rose Bowl, I had to come out here to the desert and play in a football game. And it was my last game I played in, at least in college. But it was the best thing that ever happened to me because I made up in my mind then that I was going to move to Arizona. And I am here now, as I always say, living like it matters. But one thing that matters to me is that a kicker didn't send me this way because he missed a kick. Because I don't know if I'd have made it. Because I might have been looking for that kicker. I might have cut his tires. I might have cut his neck. I don't know. But, man, to have a kicker. So I, I just want to pay tribute to all my kicker fans out there. As a matter of fact, before I do that, I want to pay tribute to the number that my dear friend I'm about to mention wore. And that, that's number 12. Tim Fox is the one of the reasons why I went to the Ohio State University. Tim was from Canton and, and used to talk to me many times uh, when he would come home when he was playing for the uh, the Patriots at that time uh, to tell me about what great experiences he had at the Ohio State University. And it's in the name. It's not we just don't say that. It is part of the name, the Ohio State University. And, and Tim was, of course, number 12. And when I got there, after Tim had left, Great dear friend of mine, one of the best corners ever played a game, Mike Guest wore number 12. And, and Mike wore number 12. And then after Mike left, uh, then Garcia Lang wore number 12. And then somehow, and I mean this, one of the most heralded, probably best remembered kickers in the history of The Ohio State University, years later, when I made my way back to the state of Ohio, he made his way onto the field with the Buckeyes wearing number 12, and that's Matt Friends. Matt, how you doing, man? I'm doing all right, Ray. How you doing? Man. Well, you got to hate on kickers, man. <laughs> you know, let me tell you something. When we make the kick, it's a great team win. But when we miss, damn kicker missed the field goal. <laughs> hey, hey, but Matt, you know, and that's the same thing, and I didn't talk about this, but that's the same kind of thing that, that uh, you know, Bill Belichick is feeling right now. You know, if he if he, if they make the first down, he's a great coach. If he missed it, he's, he's a bum. Absolutely, you know, and it's the same thing a kicker goes through. I mean, that's what we do in practice. We visualize a game-winning kick. We want the pressure. That's what we do. Okay, Matt, are you telling me? That you really, throughout the entire week, throughout the entire summer, throughout the off season, when you're working out, you're looking forward to that pressure situation. Oh, yeah. That's what you do. You go out and you think to yourself, this is it. This is to beat Michigan. This is to win the Big Ten and go to the Rose Bowl. It's why you go to Ohio State. It's what you do as a kicker, man. That's what you visualize. Well, listen, it, I want to give a, a shout-out to some more kickers there, man, that I, I just, you know, I really enjoyed it. First of all, you know, they say it'll never happen, but I, I believe that Tom Skladanis probably should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You know, no, I'm sorry, Ray Guy. They think Ray should be the first. Tom Skladanis did a great job, too. He probably, you know, got some decent numbers. My shout-out I got to give to one of your colleagues, Vladi Yanakieski. Vladi, yeah. Or yeah, what do you, you know, used to call him, Wade? Tom Ors was our, was our punter. And, uh, you know, and then Bobby Aether, you know, came through a tremendous athlete, you know. And, and so kickers can also be athletes. Is that right, too? Oh, I mean, think about it. Look at Tom Tupa, one of the best punters in the history of Ohio State, was also a quarterback and went on to the NFL, played 15 years and got a Super Bowl ring. So you never had a, you never had a Garrow, your premium moment in your no, life? No, 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 no. <laughs> I didn't do any Garrows, man. 
I did, but I had a couple feeble uh, attempts at tackles and some blocks that people still see on video that makes them chuckle. Well, let me ask you, Matt, how does the evolution of a kicker's career, when did you decide you wanted to be a kicker? How does that ever happen? Uh, mine actually started when I was a senior in high school. I got cut from our high school soccer team, which I played all my life. So I was basically a kid without a sport and what I was going to do. Uh, a friend of my mom and dad's came over to the house for a party, and he happened to play for the Buckeyes in the 50s. His name was George Jacoby. He was a two-time captain, offensive lineman. And he had around his neck a pair of gold football pants. And I looked at those pants, and I found out the meaning of them is whatever player gets when they beat Michigan with the score on the back. Mm-hmm. And the second I looked at those gold pants, I said, that's it. I don't give a crap what it takes. Somehow I have to get a pair of those gold pants. So I started picking his brain and saying, look, how can I play for Ohio State? And he's looking at me like I'm pretty chemically imbalanced, saying, look, kid, you don't even play high school. How are you going to go to Ohio State, which is the premier football program in the country, and expect to walk out without any experience? Mm -hmm. And I said, I don't care, George. i got to do whatever it takes. I'm going to be a kicker. I said, what is it going to take for me to do it? And just on a whim, just kind of as a laugh, he said, well, I guess maybe if you kicked 100 footballs every day, you would get a chance just at a tryout. And he said it kind of funny, like there's no way anybody would actually do that. But I took it serious, and I said, okay, that's fine. So I got my footballs, and I literally kicked 100 footballs every day until I went to Ohio State, got cut three times, got cut in the fall, got cut in the spring, got cut the next fall, and eventually made the team. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's an amazing story. Now, if I'm not mistaken... This is all documented in the book, too, am I right? Right. I, I wrote a book called Kairos, K-A-I-R-O-S, and people can buy it online at kairosthebook.com. And how that evolved was I was actually in L.A. Uh, pitching a different movie project, and some people in the industry had heard that I played for Ohio State. They All they wanted to know about was what's it like playing in the Michigan game? What's it like playing in the biggest game on national TV? Everybody sees it. And you can't even explain it to people how big it is and the magnitude of it, of it is. So a couple of these producers said, man, you should write that as a book. Because the bottom line is I'm just an average kid. I mean, I'm just an average guy that ended up in an above-average situation twice. I mean, I stood, stood center stage in college football's biggest game, having it come down to me twice. I don't think people really understand what you, what you mean by that. Now, why don't you go ahead and tell this story of how this game evolved because – I think it was, was it your junior year the first yeah, time? Yeah, it was my junior year in 1986, and we had an absolutely stacked team. I mean, we had Chris Spielman, Chris Carter, Jim Cursados, William White, Tonto. We had just a stacked team, and we started out the season 0-2, if you imagine that at Ohio State. We had lost to Alabama in the kickoff classic. We lost to Washington. We got slaughtered by Washington on the road. We were 0-2 looking at a pretty dismal season. And then the kicker that we had at the time was kind of faltering, so Earl Bruce opened up the kicking competition to me and three other scholarship players. Now, I'm still just a walk-on. Well, I end up beating out the other guys, playing at Indiana, take my first field goal, we end up winning the game on that field goal, and then I just never looked back. Now, I, I end up making... Was, as you said, that was your first year of kicking, and you guys start off at, at, at 0-2. At 0-2. Now, and once the... they threw me in, we won every game when I started kicking, and it was the absolute dream of a lifetime. And it came down to the Michigan-Ohio State game, final game of the year, to win the Big Ten and go to the Rose Bowl. 
Now, wait, that's let me the ask way you something. that I love seeing the Ohio State-Michigan game come down. But let's set this up. Let's set this up. Were there any games prior to that Ohio State-Michigan game that it came down to the wire and you had to kick? No, I was basically, I was, you know, my record, I was 15 out of 17 or something like that going into the Michigan game. So it was, I, in my mind, there's no way that I'm going to miss. I mean, it's just, you know, the team's winning. I'm making kicks. Team's got confidence in me. Coaches got confidence in me. It comes down to the Michigan game, and it comes down to a fourth down and two. You're talking about Belichick. Earl Bruce had the same exact situation. It was fourth down and two from the 30-yard line. You have All-American Chris Carter, wide receiver. You've got Corsage. you got the biggest line in the Big Ten. You've got everything going for you. And Earl looked at me and said, do you want to kick it? It was my choice. And it, w- it would have been the longest kick of my career. I mean, 47 yards into a little bit of a wind. I looked at him without even blinking and said, hell yeah, I want to kick it because let's face the reality. If I make that field goal, I'm addressing you from the governor's office right now. <laughs> wow. I mean, that's how big it is in, in the state of Ohio. If I make the field goal, beat Michigan, win the Big Ten and go to the Rose Bowl, I could be in the governor's office. But that's not the way that it worked out. Now, and it's wait, not I, like anything I, I really you look want... back and say, you know, people go, oh, well, was it, you know, into the wind, that's a long kick, blah, blah, blah. No, I walked right into the press room and I said, it was a perfect snap, it was a perfect hold, I just missed the kick. Wow. Hey, so Matt, so you, you, you really looked Earl right in the eye. I mean, oh, yeah. were you preparing for this? Did you think at this point in time that he was going to make that decision from the 30-yard line, which, again, 30, add another 10 on the 40, another 7, that's 47 yards, as you right. said. Did you not think that perhaps maybe he would go for it and get it a little closer? No, because, you know, like we said about Belichick, when a coach makes a decision, you have to go for it. I mean, you know, and I'm standing there right next to him saying, let's kick it, let's kick it, let's kick it, let's kick it. And he's looking at it going, well, and put it to you like this, even Eric Parsegan, the announcer on the game, on the game tape, you can hear him say, if he doesn't try it, they never had the chance to win the game. You know, if we don't try it at that moment, he doesn't have the chance. At least, you know, we had the chance. We had the opportunity. Uh, I just overswung. I missed it to the left. And that's just the way it goes down in the history book. I mean, it's just, you know, it's a moment. And that's why I named the book Kairos, because Kairos means an unrepeatable moment in time. And there was a minister in Columbus, Ohio, who the day after the Michigan game did his sermon based on me. And he was saying that that moment on that field would be my Kairos moment. It would be the most un- unforgettable moment that would ever come that I'd ever have happened in my life. Well, let's let, let's say this: uh, we, of course, know that that wasn't true, and we're going to come back with the second part of that after this break. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I got one of the best kickers in the world with me today. That's Matt Franz from the Ohio State University. He got a chance to redeem himself. Come back and check it out in the second half. Can't wait. school to the pros we we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports 
So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely despise her, especially at 1-2. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine-horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Joe Cribbs, No Average Joe, is here for you, the fan, to hear about and discuss the week's top stories in the world of sports. We'll discuss not only the headliners, but you'll hear some of the smaller stories that don't usually make it on the sports wires today. It's a forum for the sports fan, hosted by Joe Cribbs, a three-time pro bowler with the Buffalo Bills. Joe is a 10-year pro football veteran, a former Southeastern Conference Most Valuable Player, and a member of the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame. Discuss the topics with Joe Cribbs, No Average Joe, Mondays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Okay, we're back. Of course, I'm Ray Ellis, and you listen to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, and I got one of the greatest kickers that ever lived on the line with me right now. Of course, we've been talking to Matt France, kicker from The Ohio State University. And before we went to break there, Matt, you, you start telling me a little bit about, uh, I think, is it Kairos? Yes. Which is the name of the book. And uh, you did get a chance to redeem yourself. But before we go into that, uh, here it is, uh, 1986. And, and and believe it or not, like I said, I, I made my way back to the stage of Ohio. And I, and I was a little bit up north there from you on the road, not all the way up that north part. You know what I mean by uh-huh. that. Of course, in Cleveland. And and things were going pretty well for us there uh, in that 1986 season. Of course, uh, you know, we went on to play Denver in the AFC Championship games. But football was pretty good. But I do remember that the Buckeyes started off with a pretty, you know, rough outing. And then not only that, I think a couple years before that even, uh, the expectations of what people thought that program should deliver in terms of a Rose Bowl appearance and a, and a national championship Things have fallen a little short. So when you missed this kick, mm-hmm. I think people were almost at their wits end with Coach Bruce. Am I right? Well, they were pretty dev- – I mean, everybody was devastated by it. it. You know, I missed the kick. Um, you know, people asked me what it was like in the locker room. You know, how, what was it like in that locker room after you missed the kick? And I honestly tell them, I'm like, I don't know, because I spent the next 30 minutes perched on top of a bathroom urinal because <laughs> – Chris Spielman was looking for me. Other guys wanted to have their way with me. And, you know, it, it, it's just out of frustration. It, you're thinking to yourself because 
you know, we, we go through this whole season. We start out 0-2. We win our next nine games in a row. It comes down to the Michigan game, the emotion of it, because don't forget, one of the biggest moments in the history of the Ohio State-Michigan game was Jim Harbaugh guaranteeing a victory at Ohio State. And Earl Bruce stood there in front of the team and almost with tears in his eyes said, nobody comes into this house and guarantees a victory. And sure enough, he ended up being a prophet because I missed the kick to the left. Wow. Well, let me just say this about Earl Bruce. I, see, I know Earl well because uh, Earl, of course, uh, played football and uh, certainly coached uh, with the Maslin Tigers. And I think, I, I'm sorry, I know he coached with the Maslin Tigers. I'm not sure if Earl played for Maslin. And so when Earl first came into the Ohio State University, Earl came there to replace Coach Hayes. And I, of course, was on that team, and I was present. I uh, didn't see it. Uh, I've seen it in, in replay a number of times uh, when Coach Hayes uh, punched the kid at Clemson University. And in interviewing uh, Coach Bruce, uh, when he accepted the job, they asked him uh, where was the most pressured situation that he had found himself uh, in a coaching environment at. And he said in Maslin, Ohio because of the Maslin McKinley game and and the Maslin McKinley pressures of the pressures of that game is pretty it's the high school version of the Ohio State Michigan game right and the consequences of Maslin not beating McKinley or McKinley not beating Maslin was that the coach's job could possibly be on the line right like and a John so, Cooper so Earl was I think Earl was starting to feel some of the pressures of again, him not meeting the expectations. I mean, the apparent. I mean, he followed in, in in the great steps of you know his mentor because he was on the staff for Woody at one time. Right. Uh, and he's following in those in those footsteps. And of course, his first year there, we went and lost the the national championship game. Uh, as a matter of fact, it was thirty year anniversary of the national championship game in USC. Uh, but he beat Michigan his first year. But but I mean, now he's starting to feel the pressures because now I want you to lead me into how you redeemed yourself the following year. Yeah, it was going into the 87 season, and, you know, we went down to Dallas, and we beat Texas A&M's ass, you know, which was a huge win for Ohio State, being Texas A&M in Texas. And that was in the uh, in the Cotton Bowl. And we came back preparing for the 87 season. And the coaches and the players, and it was my job. It was very difficult getting back on, out on the field and regaining the trust and the confidence in my coaches and teammates, because, you know, I had just cost them. In my mind, I had cost them a ticket to the promised land. And so I'm, you know, working, still kicking my 100 footballs every day, every day, every day. And Earl had pretty much come out and said, well, we're going to let Matt handle the extra points and short field goals, and then we'll have, you know, another guy do the long field goals. And to me, that was such devastation that there is no way that I was ever going to let that happen. I was not going to let somebody take away a part of my job. So I did everything I could in the offseason, still kicked my 100 footballs every day, every day, won back the confidence in the coaches, and the first game against West Virginia, I kick a 47-yard field goal in the opening drive. And boom, now we're off and rolling. The 87 season was significant because in, the, in two-a-days, we lost our All-American Chris Carter. We lost Chris Carter because he had signed with an agent and deemed ineligible. You take Chris Carter out of an equation, and you've got to go back and rewrite your whole playbook. The team, we got off to a nice start. We beat West Virginia. We beat Oregon. We go down and tie LSU. We lost to Indiana and 87 at home, which we didn't just lose. They beat us 41-10. to 10. 
And Earl Bruce said publicly, this is the darkest day in the history of Ohio State football. And, you know, when the man's standing with tears in his eyes, it's the darkest day in Ohio, the history of Ohio State football. Everybody knew that the season could be taking a turn, you know, for the worse. Yes. Once you lose to Indiana. Well, we went on, you know, beat Purdue, but then we had a string of losses against Michigan State, against Iowa. And everybody knew, you can tell the climate, you can tell the environment in Columbus. When there's talk about, you know, possible replacement, possible this, what's going on with Ohio State. And when you start losing, man, it just snowballs. And the administration came in, which is probably one of the most ungraceful, undignified things they'd ever done, and they fired Earl Bruce the week before the Michigan game. Wow. Yeah, not wait till after the season. We had no bowl game opportunity. Um, they were going to wait till the end of the season, but Rick Bay, the athletic director who was friends with Earl, said, I'm not going to sit by and let this man coach in his final game, not knowing that you know this is his last game. So he went to Earl and told him, we sat in meetings on Monday before the Michigan game, and that man came in and just bawled and cried his eyes out and said, this is my last game as coach of the Ohio State Buckeyes. And we knew that was our final game. We knew it was our, it was our bowl game. And we had to find a way to go up and beat Michigan in Michigan after losing three games in a row. Well, that was a, that was a pretty, pretty big challenge. Anytime you go up and, and play Michigan, it, it's a hell of a challenge. But, but to go up there with the weight on your shoulders, a feeling perhaps maybe you were at least in part, not saying you necessarily, but the team in part was a reason for a coach losing his job. Uh, that, that had to be a hell of a motivating factor. So how was, how was practice that week? Oh, it was just, I mean, everybody was staying with, you know, within uh, the team, the 120 guys that we had on that team and the coaches. We didn't talk to media. We didn't do anything. We did, you know, no publicity stuff. Because to us, that's the only people we had around us. You know, when you lose three games in a row in Columbus at Ohio State, you know, you're not very well liked as an organization. You know, people are breathing down your back. They're saying stuff on the radio. They're doing everything they can to slam the team. So we knew that the only people we could count on is the guys in the locker room, the coaches, and the staff, and that's it. And that's all we said. We said we were going to go to Ann Arbor and win the game for one thing, and that's Earl Bruce's last game. One of the players actually had headbands made up that said Earl across the top, and we stood at midfield, you know, holding hands at the opening kick, at the opening coin toss with our show of support for Earl Bruce. Um, I saw Ed Jennings, the president of the university, midway through the week, and he looked at me because he was responsible for firing Earl, and he looked at me and said, hey, if the guys need any motivation, tell them to picture me on the other side of the ball. And I looked at him and I said, I don't think that's even going to be necessary because that's how much we wanted to win this game for Earl. So we went up, and we were behind, and we came back, and we battled back. And sure enough, I come in, and I missed the first extra point in my career at Ohio State. And I'm standing there, and I'm going, dear God, don't let this happen again. This can't happen again. And I went off the field, and Earl looked right at me. When I missed the extra point, he looked me right in the face mask, and he said, this game is coming down to you, so you better be ready. Hey, Matt, and let me say this. I, I once had a coach uh, in pro football, and I want to pay tribute to him. His name is Frank Gantz. And, and Frank Gantz was a special teams coach and known throughout the National Football League is probably the best special teams coach that ever existed. As a matter of fact, if he... Uh, if there was a position or a spot for an assistant coach or for a special teams coach uh, to be inducted to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, he'd probably be the first one. But that is what he would always tell us, is that it was going to come down to a special teams play. 
Oh, yeah. And we would probably have to be prepared and be ready for that. So, man, so you guys go through the season. Now, you get a chance for the first time ever in your lifetime to be a college football kicker, and you find yourself in, in two of the most high-pressured uh, games ever, and, and, they, and they come down to you. So is it true that this last game against Michigan for Earl also came down to you? It did. It did. We marched down the field, and we had gotten down close enough, and Earl just called. He didn't even hesitate. He just, you know, said, France, kick it. And I went in, and I'm not going to lie to you, you know, trying to shake off the memory of what happened the year before is difficult to do. Not only that, but I had just missed an extra point, and the game was tied 20-20. to 20. So this and he scenario. sent me in, and I just looked right at Scotty Powell, my holder, and I knew that the snap was going to be perfect, and Scotty put it down. And when I, when I was lining up, taking my steps back, and I picked my spot behind the goalpost, I could see the entire student section from Michigan leaning to the left, which is the way I missed it the year before. <laughs> and I'm going, oh, God. But I ended up making it, put it down the middle, and we carried Earl off the field on our shoulders. Okay, now this scenario is much different than the first one. The first one, you walked in like a gunslinger, and you were ex- as confident as could be that you were going to make this kick. Oh, without a doubt. This second one. Were you confident you could make it? I was confident that I was going to. I was confident I was going to make it. But one of the hardest things to do is to block out the memories of what's happened before. And even though I was focused on my swing and focused on the snap and focused, and I knew everything was going to go off without a hitch, just human nature is going to make you reflect on something for a moment. Because you know, I, I go in to kick the field goal, and sure enough, Bo Schembechler calls timeout. Well, when you're standing there on a TV timeout and you've got 100,000 Michigan fans, you know, screaming at you, both screaming at you, you have a little time to reflect. You know, it's not like you just go in, line up, boom, kick it. That's why they call these timeouts so that the kicker can sit there and go, huh, I got a couple minutes to think about this. How come I can't swallow? Why is my tongue so big? Well, you know. And the pressure starts to build on you a little bit. Okay, but, well, listen, Matt, what we're going to do is we're going to give our listeners a little chance to think about it. We're going to finish the show after this break. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. As I said, I've got my friend Matt France with me, kicker from the Ohio State University, and it is Beat Michigan Week. Yeah, baby. We'll be right back after this break. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. I just think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. We some hard hitters. We some hard hitters. Hard hitting radio is a new kind of sports and entertainment show. Your hosts are NFL veterans Mark McMillan and co-host Byron Evans. It's an hour of hater-free radio every week. You'll hear interviews with top athletes, celebrities, coaches, and fans. It's humor, hits, and conversation. Hard-hitting radio is on with McMillan and Evans. Listen Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Network. 
Hey, football fans, are you ready for an intelligent discussion about the Buffalo Bills and the National Football League? Are you tired of listening to talk show hosts that have never played football? Instead of answering your questions, they prefer to listen to themselves. And when they don't like what you're saying, they just cut you off. Well, that won't happen on the Jeff Nixon Sports Report. Keep it clean, stay relatively calm and rational, and the discussion will flow well. Join Jeff Nixon Monday afternoons at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Sports Network. Joe Cribbs, No Average Joe, is here for you, the fan, to hear about and discuss the week's top stories in the world of sports. We'll discuss not only the headliners, but you'll hear some of the smaller stories that don't usually make it on the sports wires today. It's a forum for the sports fan, hosted by Joe Cribbs, a three-time pro bowler with the Buffalo Bills. Joe is a 10-year pro football veteran, a former Southeastern Conference Most Valuable Player, and a member of the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame. Discuss the topics with Joe Cribbs, No Average Joe, Mondays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Network. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it with 2.8 seconds left. The left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we We cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. All righty. We're back. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. Got a kicker on with me, but not just a kicker, a game-winning kicker kicker a kicker who will go down in history in the hearts and minds of many of the ohio state university fans uh for winning the ohio state michigan game and it's ohio state michigan week and uh we're looking forward to it and uh matt france of course number 12 is uh here with me and uh matt i've already got uh one prediction uh john missile tells me of course that the ohio state buckeyes are going to win 31-14. You and I will just take a win. We don't care about the score. That's it. That's Scores it. Just walk out with the W. And, uh, and hey, perhaps maybe a kicker may win the game. I'll tell you what, a kicker better not lose the game Oh, I us. love it. I would love to see it. And they all get their gold pants beating Michigan. That's just the way to do it. That's the way you end the season. Man, that's the way to, that's the way to do it, to go to the Rose Bowl. And, mm-hmm. uh, who knows? Hey, if, if they, uh, of course they're going to the Rose Bowl, you think you're going to make it out? I would love to go. I would love to go out and... Talk to my buddy Tommy over at the Comedy Store. I might be able to do a little stand-up while uh, visiting L.A. Yeah, tell me a little bit about this comedy, man. I mean, did you, what you do? You make a joke out of losing? I did. Michigan? You know what? I'm not going to lie to you, man. Uh, <laughs> you know, I was doing a little bit of stand-up and some, you know, open mic stuff and everything. And this guy, you know, saw my material, saw my bit. And then he found out that I played for Ohio State. And, you know, he found out what had happened in the Michigan game, on and on. And he said, dude, you got to add that into your act. And so I put it in my act, talking about missing one of the biggest field goals in the history of the high state Michigan game. And I know this is going to burn you. This is going to burn you from the inside out. But when I went on stage, when I go on stage, I actually have on a Michigan jersey, which wow. was sent to me from my good friend John Falk at the University of Michigan, which they sent me to let me know that to them I'll always be number one <laughs> with the number one on it. So when I go on stage, I talk about, you know, here it is. Missed the biggest kick in the history of the game, blah, 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 blah. And I just, you know, because you got to have fun with it. I mean, it was devastating at the time. 
it's very difficult for Ohio State people, you know, to even think about, talk about still. But my point is, when you're face down, ass up in front of 100,000 people, and you're at your lowest moment, and you've got, you know, nowhere to turn, you've got to find a little bit of humor in it. You've got to find a little bit of a way to go, wow, did I really go from top of the world to the absolute bottom? Wow. And that's where people connect with comedy. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, man, I, I, I just, uh, you know, my hat goes off to you. Let me know, is there some places where perhaps maybe people can find you? Certainly want to know where they can find the book at. We're going to talk a little bit more about some maybe pro football, but tell us a little bit more about where they can see you, where you do your acts at, and, and of course, how they can get the book. The comedy end of it, they can log on to American Mockery, American, M-O-C-K-E-R-Y, AmericanMockery.com. That's got my stand-up where I talk about the Michigan game, and there's actually clips on there of the game, and there's a whole line of products and greeting cards that I do comedy-wise, and my stand-up is on there, and also the comedy skits that I do. I do original comedy skits, you know, like much like a Saturday Night Live, but a little more risque, a lot more fun. And the book is KairosTheBook.com. And the reason that people have connected with the book, love the book, is because... It relates to every dude that, whether he's sitting on his couch on Saturday or whether he follows his favorite team, it tells them exactly what it's like to be part of one of the biggest programs in the country, what it's like to actually break down the barrier, walk onto a team like that, and then stand center stage. And people ask me, you know, why this book is different. It's different because I actually got to experience every emotion the game has to offer. I mean, I went from unknown walk-on to starting kicker leading the team in scoring, leading the nation in scoring points per game, living my dream, and then having the, the bottom pulled out. And then being, you know, living the nightmare of, hey, I actually cost my team and the fans a trip to the Rose Bowl. And then getting back on, picking myself up, going back out, doing what i got to do, kicking my 100 footballs, believing in myself and the guys around me, and ending up back on top. And that's the way I went out. I went out with my pair of gold pants with Earl Bruce on our shoulders. Well, I, I tell you what, I, I know when I played uh, corner at Ohio State uh, and I ended up playing safety in the pros, my wife used to always tell me she didn't like the fact that, and her and I dated in college, she didn't like the fact that I played corner because you're out there on an island and, and y- you got to have a gunslinger's mentality out there on the island because if you make a mistake, everybody sees it's you. Uh, right. Unlike you, uh, I didn't get a chance to kick. But I did get my butt kicked in the Rose Bowl. I got burnt on a 60-yard bomb in the Rose Bowl. And, and I got a chance to redeem. Well, no, they redeemed themselves because the first pass I intercepted. But, the, you know, the big bomb, you know, Gary Williams and Art Schleister were able to redeem me for that. But, you know, I guess a corner is similar to being a kicker because right. everybody sees what you can't hide. They know it's your fault. Either you make the play or you don't. You know, as a kid here, plays for the Arizona uh, Cardinals, uh, Dominic Rogers Camardi. Uh, we call him DRC, and and he talks about the hey, all you can do is make a play, or or get beat. But you yeah. still got to line up and you got to do it again. And so you do you do some motivational speaker for those people out there who perhaps maybe as they say in St. Louis, Missouri, don't be scarred. There's some scarred people out there. You do a little motivational speaker for those people who may lack some confidence? You know, I just talk to people. I talk to kids. I talk to high school people. I talk to, you know, anybody that, I mean, my situation was seen by millions of people. My lowest moment was seen by millions of people. I'm sitting on the sideline with my head between my hands, and the camera is three inches from me trying to catch a tear coming out of my eyes. You know, and the, bottom, the point of it is that you're going you're gonna to have a bad moment. You're going to be down. You're going to be as down as you can get. You know, and it's, not, it's how long you're staying down. 
I mean, am I going to walk off the field, miss the field goal against Michigan, as devastating as it was, and not walk back out on a field and not compete for my job and let, let the magnitude of the moment and let what everybody else is saying around me, am I going to let that consume me or am I going to be bigger than that and come back out? And people say, oh, you got a chip on your shoulder, you act like you got something to prove. You do have something to prove. Oh, yeah. Everybody's got something to prove every day. That's right. You know, I mean, if you stay down, then you're down there with the people that said, see, I told you that would happen. See, well, I you told you it wasn't good enough. See, I told him this was good, brother. But if you fight and you get back up, you're going to go back to the top. And that's what Woody used to tell us all the time. Woody used to tell us it's not the guy that you knock down that stays down that you got to worry about. It's that, and he said, that son of a, that keeps getting up again and again and again and again that, yeah. that that's the guy you got to worry about so yeah. listen man you, you sound like you got a boxer's mentality as a kicker well, yeah, i'm to. sure those guys were happy that the, the last memory that they have of you as you said is carrying earl bruce uh you know off the field on your shoulders and of course uh holding on to those gold pants so uh what do you think this week i, I know you believe we're going to get it done right oh they're going to get it done and you know there's not a doubt that they're going to get it done but the only uh, part about it to me is I just did, I wish that Michigan was on top of their game. I wish the program was as high as it's been in the past, and I wish that the tradition, I mean, the tradition's always there. Don't get me wrong. Hey, but, but Matt, it does, you're right. It's the Michigan game, man, so you know what they're looking to do now. They, they're in the same situation that you were in that year, right. and they have nothing to lose. Exactly right. And, you know, if, if, you, if you sleep on them, if you go in thinking, you know what, we're going to the Rose Bowl. What the hell? Michigan's going to beat them. Michigan's got, listen, and Michigan's got some weapons on that team up there. What's that? They got some weapons on that team. Oh, they do. They got athletes. There's no doubt about that. They got weapons. They got athletes. But I just think that top to bottom as a team right now, Ohio State with that defense, and Terrell Pryor, I mean, I personally don't think you can stop the kid. I mean, I think that he's, you know, maturing by the end of his sophomore year. He's throwing the ball better. And I think there's – I don't think anybody can stop the kid offensive line. Well, here's what I believe. I, I, I believe there's no doubt about it. That defense uh, – People used to criticize, and they still criticize Ohio State about our team speed. In my opinion, where the speed was lacking was up front, our linemen. On our defensive line is as big and as strong, as fast as anybody out there. That's what and I truly saying. believe they are going to be the ones that's going to win that game for us. Hey, Matt, I want to thank you for winning that game for the Ohio State University against Michigan with that kick. We're going to have to kick the show off, but I'm going to get you back on one other time. You've been listening to Rail of Sports I love on the it, Voice hey. America Network. That was my man, Matt France. Kairosthebook.com. kicker. And the name of that book again, Matt? Is Kairosthebook.com. K-A-I-R-O-S, thebook.com. Go get it, everybody. All I'll right. I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. Go Bucks. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.